You are listening to A Public Affair for Monday, July 10th of 2023. Welcome to Storytellers of Color, our new monthly show that airs every second Monday as part of A Public Affair here on your KGNU community radio. The main goal of the show is to provide a safe space for communicators, journalists, reporters, and media makers of color through a series of conversations to elevate their voices and to discuss issues of equity, equality in the media. Why? Because as we know, the media, especially in the United States of America, it's plagued by white men. I think we're going to have a good time today. I have somebody super special for these storytellers of color. And I also want to thank everybody that has contributed this past week to our fundraising, the short fundraising in the summer. My name is Rosanna Longoveter, and our guest this morning is Sam Adams, sports writer, stand-up comedian. He's also a keynote speaker, a commercial actor, an author of a book, and a master's of ceremonies. I had the opportunity to experience your performance at a beautiful event celebrating Black joy. Welcome to the studios today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I cannot stop laughing. So tell us how you got into this business. You gave your first stand-up comedy set in 2001, more than 20 years ago. And you did this only a few months after you returned from reporting on track and field at the Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia. And eight years later, after being a sports journalist, you took on comedy as a full-time professional career. So I want to know how you got there. I'm pretty sure our listeners also want to know how a journalist, sports journalist, became a comedian and a good one. Well, thank you. I, I will take you back to uh, those Olympics in Sydney. First of all, I wasn't a part of the original coverage team. I was working for the Rocky Mountain News at that time. And, uh, you know, they had everything planned out, the reporters, the columnists, photographers, you know, everyone who was going to go to Sydney. And uh, one of the main, the main writer uh, for the coverage, uh, for whatever reason, uh, left the Rocky Mountain News to go to the Denver Post. Uh, about a month before the Olympics. So they had to find someone <laughs> in the sports department to, to take over uh, that coverage. And, and, and it was for track and field primarily, which is one of the featured, if not the featured uh, event of the Summer Olympics. And uh, so I was called into my sports editor's office um, and when I went, when I went in, the editor of the newspaper was standing inside the office with the sports editor, and I thought I'm getting fired. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, this <laughs> is it. When you see these two together, the last time I saw a sports editor and an editor of a newspaper standing in an office together, it was when I was hired full time by the Denver Post back in 1992. So I thought. This is the way you go out, the way you came in. <laughs> you know, these two gentlemen are about to deliver bad news. And the first thing they asked me was, 
do you have a passport? And I thought, wow, this is, you, you get rid of somebody, you really get rid of somebody. You're, you're gonna <laughs> literally send me out of the country? You're not just gonna fire me? You know? And so I was like, none of this made sense to me, being called in and then asked if I had a passport. And the last thing I was thinking about was the Olympics. And I said, no, I don't. And they said, well, you need to get one in two hours because we're sending you to Sydney and we have to get this information to the U.S. Olympic Committee by tomorrow morning, and we're gonna have to FedEx it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to run, get a photo. I, I had to get all this stuff done, uh, and then it hit me at the end of the day. I'm going to Sydney, Australia. So what came with that, Rosanna, was a huge responsibility that I had never had before. I covered the Denver Broncos, and that's a pretty heavy thing to cover, an NFL season, but three weeks in Sydney, Australia, covering the world. Uh, <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't hit me until they started giving me all these assignments prior to getting on that plane to go to Australia. And, and I was worn out before that flight. Uh, and then when I got over there, uh, there was constant pressure to produce stories if there were no events. And then writing about the events on top of that. Uh, just a lot of pressure. Uh, not that I was scared of the pressure, it was just pressure that I hadn't experienced before. And, uh, and, and you know, I can brag about it. I still have the email from my sports editor telling me when I got back that they were worried because they didn't know what they were gonna get, but uh, they were uh, just amazed at the work that I put out. Uh, I broke a couple stories from the Olympics uh, not bad for a guy who wasn't even supposed to go. And, um, uh, but when I got back home, uh, my mind was frazzled, if not fried. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just like, what just happened? And, 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 and I felt very, you know, tense, even though it was all over and I needed something to, uh, alleviate that tension. And after a few months, I started thinking about, uh, what a guy told me years ago that I should try stand-up comedy. And I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, sitting in a hotel, looking at one of those hotel magazines, and I saw an ad for the comedy club in that city, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, and it all came back to me. So I called my friend in Denver, a gentleman named Daryl Collier. He's responsible for this whole comedy <laughs> mess. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, hey, tell me about stand-up comedy he says oh you want to try it now and i was like well i don't know and one thing led to another and he got me in on the open mic at comedy works and may 15 2001 i went up for the first time and it was all right but i liked it enough to keep going back for more and more and more i never thought i was going to quit my day job to become a comedian but in february of 2009 our, our day job quit us, the Rocky Mountain News closed. And, you know, things happen. And uh, that was the door that was ajar for me to say, okay, try it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll move back to Cleveland, Ohio and live with my mom. <laughs> and uh, Look at it, that it, story. Wow. It, it, worked, it worked out. I, I won uh, that year about four months after the paper closed. I won a comedy competition, the Great American Comedy Festival. Uh, I won, and, uh, and and that just gave me the impetus to 
try it full time. And the first year or so was not that great. Um, but things started to happen in around 2011 or 2012. And one thing led to another. And, you know, here I am now. An artist, that's who you are, a comedian, but in that realm, an artist, a creative force. What does comedy give you? It sounds to me when you are describing this that being a stand-up comedian provides something that it's super unique because it's an experience that you have with the audience that you are performing to. You are not the only one there in the stage. It's done there. Well, the similarities between the two reporting and then later on uh, as a columnist where you get to sort of voice your opinion. But the similarities at first, I didn't really uh, see them, me being a columnist and me being a uh, comedian. I, I and, and when I would perform, I would keep the two away. People used to always say to me, why don't you do more sports jokes? And I'd be like, well, I, I'm a comedian over here. I'm a sports guy over here. I'm a comedian over here. Like, I didn't want to put them together, uh, which is funny because when you look at that word, Rosanna, uh, comedian, uh, you can't spell comedian without media. That word. <laughs> Uh, Go so, media, yes, the comedy. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you take media out of that word comedian, you're left with C-O-N, con. So <laughs> I don't want to con my audiences, you know. But um, uh, uh, as I started to grow as a comedian, uh, I started to see the similarities. We, you, you, you have audiences as a journalist and as a news reporter, uh, and especially newspaper reporter, you have an audience. You have subscribers, you have an audience, people are reading what you say. Uh, as a comedian being on stage, uh, I have an audience. The difference for me was, um, and, and is, uh, when I'm on stage, I can see my audience. Hmm. And that's where uh, there's a radiance, uh, uh, you know, I can feed off the audience yeah like a musician i don't unless i'm seated next to you and you happen to be reading something that i wrote and i just happen to see you whether you're laughing or absorbing the news whatever i don't know what the uh audience the readers are are seeing or thinking or feeling but when i'm in front of that audience uh you know the event that you saw me at Uh, for Juneteenth, Black Joy, uh, you all gave me such energy uh, that you know that I needed because uh, <laughs> the reminders and Dr. Rabaka between those two, I better had been fun that night. So <laughs> it was a beautiful um, that, event, but you did that, such that, a good job. You know, so that's the difference for me is that that I can feed off. Uh, an audience's energy on stage in a way that I never could feel uh, as a journalist. I'm speaking with Sam Adams, a comedian. Before, he was a sports journalist. And we're talking about this magical thing that happens when you are standing 
in front of an audience and you are making jokes and you are feeding out of that audience. And that's the magic. Huh? You are describing, I think, the magic, this intimate connection with your audience. And before making this transition to stand-up comedian, Sam, you spent three decades as a sports writer and television commentator based in Denver. In 2003, Sam's media peers elected him as Colorado's Print Journalist of the Year. And in 2019, Sam was the first African-American sports journalist ever inducted into the prestigious Denver Press Club's Hall of Fame. So you're a big shot. <laughs> and it happens to be that you are in KGNU this morning. Why is it so important to have diversity in comedy? but also in media for you? For me, it's about being able to, um, not that I wouldn't want everyone included in what we cover, but the one thing I noticed as I kind of climbed the ranks, if you will, I started out as a high school uh, correspondent, uh, part-time, just, uh, I had interest in being a writer, didn't know how one would become a full-time sports writer. And the Denver Post gave me that opportunity by letting me start at the high school level part-time. And I would notice that uh, certain areas were covered and certain areas weren't. Uh, the Denver Prep League schools, for example, with predominantly black players at schools like George Washington and Denver East and Manuel, uh, they got coverage if they were ranked very high or in the state tournaments. But I would look at it and say, hey, you, we should cover this game. Like, like Chauncey Billups, who I covered his first varsity basketball game. Chauncey Billups went on to be uh, – High school All-America, drafted number three overall in the NBA, was the finals MVP, I think, in 2003. Uh, now a head coach in the NBA. I saw him as a kid. I was the only reporter at his first varsity basketball game. And I remember going to this, the uh, prep editor saying, we should cover that game because I hear people talking about this kid. They were talking about him when he was in the eighth grade arguing grown men arguing nobody's better than smooth and i was like who are you guys talking about i thought they were talking about magic johnson or something they were talking about some eighth grader who turned out to be a 2003 nba finals mvp so my point in that is uh i was able to say to an editor we should be there for that we should be in this area we should be in that area there's something going on here and and denver is not even my home i grew up in cleveland but i knew enough that was going on in the in the denver uh area to say don't forget these kids and when i moved up the ranks uh covering you know some of the smaller colleges a lot of the uh, athletes that didn't make it big time in college didn't go to a cu or csu you know one of the bigger schools but they still went to college and they would go to a Regis or Metro State or uh, 
you know, one of the smaller schools, and people still want to know what they're doing. Uh, and I made it a point to make sure that I would try to keep them on the map, so to speak. So I would show up and cover those games, as well as covering, you know, everybody. I, I didn't just focus on black athletes in town, but I'd like to make sure everybody knew that I didn't forget the black athletes in town uh, and coaches as well. Uh, so uh, uh, I think that helped me to move up the ranks uh, just from being uh, inclusive minded. Mm. And, uh, and it's very important that uh, we don't give one section of a city or state all the publicity and not another. So, um, you know, I was proud of being able uh, to do that. And when I see Chauncey now, I give him a lot of grief because I go, hey, you got gray <laughs> hairs. I was, I was there when you played your first varsity game and you have gray hairs. What does that say about me? And he just goes, well, you're seasoned. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it's fun for me to see some of these kids who have grown up and become great role models and and have done great things. Uh, and to, to be able to say that I witnessed it. Uh, and, and the same thing too, when I started covering the pros in the NFL, um, I didn't even realize the lack of diversity in the media. I, I, it, you know, I would go into press boxes, but I just didn't take the temperature of the room. I just, I was in, I was happy to be in the press box. And, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was in San Diego. Uh, I was part of coverage. The Air Force football team played San Diego State. This was like 1992. And because the Broncos were playing the San Diego Chargers, now they're in Los Angeles, but back then they were the San Diego Chargers. Because the Broncos were playing the very next day, the Denver Post decided to let me stay an extra day to cover that game as well. Uh, one of the first NFL games I ever covered. So the, the Chargers beat the Broncos late in the fourth quarter. They came back and won. And after the game, I went to a player named Ronnie Harmon. Ronnie Harmon was just a, uh, he, 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 he was a specialist. He wasn't a starter, but he was a guy that when they needed some yards, they would put him in. And I thought Ronnie Harmon was a big key to the Chargers comeback. Hmm. To go to the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback always is the, you know, but I went to Ronnie Harmon and uh, he was, he had just showered and he was putting on his clothes and I came up from behind him and I said, Ronnie, when you're done, I'd like to ask you a couple questions. And Rosanna, he turned around and he looked at me like I had four eyeballs and seven ears. Like he was just, <laughs> and I'm looking back at him like, why is he looking like I, I, you know, like, is my nose clean or something? You know, like what, 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 you know, I don't know why this man is looking at me weird. And, uh, and he goes, what'd you say your name was? And I said, Sam Adams. And he stuck his hand out and he had big hands. He stuck his hand out and he started to shake my hand to this day. I can feel his handshake. <laughs> like he squeezed my hand and was just looking at me like, like, weird and i was like you know everything i write and he says man we don't see black writers in here 
And it, at that moment, it hit me, you know, like I stopped and looked around the locker room. And, and then from then on, every time I went to a game, a road game, or when teams would come in and the visiting media would come in, I would look around the press box and I would be like, oh, wow. I'm, I'm, if I'm not the only one, I'm one of a few. The numbers have grown over time, but that initial period of time for me, it was just like, wow, I didn't realize that I was only part of a handful. Yeah, it's very unique, as you know, um, minus yeah. 1% of people of color are in the newsrooms in the United States. There is a lack of representation of us in the newsrooms in Colorado and in the whole United States. It's a reality. And uh, thank you so much for telling this story. Um, I think it just really paints a picture of the reality that used to be and continues to be. And I still enjoy talking to people that are interested younger people that are interested. I think social media has given so many people a platform that didn't exist 30 years ago that you can almost, you know, become a journalist. But the thing that I'm proud of is uh, every job that I've held has been with a reputable, credible, uh, the newspapers, top 20 newspapers, Denver Post, Rocky Mountain News. Uh, I've had uh, 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 contracted work with television stations, uh, you know, here locally, two, four. I'm still doing stuff with Channel 9, Broncos Game Day Live show. I'll be in my 10th year doing it, um, you know. And I think that because of that, people still see me as a journalist first. And I'm like, what do I have to do? <laughs> make them understand that comedy is my. I've, I've done the whole social media views, mm. like I, when you have forty million or so views, it's like what do I have to do to make people see that comedy is my thing? But I, I'll tell you this: um, this uh, this month of July, at the end, uh, I'll be debuting uh, my one man show, if you will. It's called Game Set Match. Uh, it merges my two careers, hmm. uh, sports with comedy. I'm going to perform both. Now, how do you perform sports journalism? <laughs> with a lot of energy. Uh, I have a lot of funny stories uh, of, you know, I've met, you know, and things. You know, I almost cost Tiger Woods to lose uh, a, a tournament. Uh, you know, but, but it was funny. Uh, but but telling those type of stories, and then on the flip side, doing my regular stand-up bit, uh, it's my way of accepting the fact that people are going to see me as both, and there's nothing really I can do about it except laugh. So I might as well make people laugh too. And my hope is that when people see this show, it not only makes them laugh, but it also gives uh, a, you know thought. I mean, this is the kind of show where you can bring. Uh, young teenagers too. And when I tell my story, maybe it inspires them to want to get into journalism. Maybe they can see that, okay, I can. These are shows that are gonna be in smaller theaters. Uh, the first one is in Nebraska uh, because of um, where Nebraska falls in line with my careers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it would be a, a good place to uh, begin. And then we'll move our way back into the state of Colorado. And then hopefully it'll just kind of blossom from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, a, a, a man told me a long time ago to find the goal, decide what's important. He told me that on the same day that he said, I like what you're doing, kid, but don't quit your day job. He was a sports editor for the Denver mm-hmm. Post. And uh, and I left his office thinking, okay, what do I want to do? Um, at that time, I was 30 years old. He was calling me kid. I was 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I really wanted to be a full-time writer. And I thought the only way that I could do this was to define the goal. Okay, I want to be a sports writer. How can I do it? I quit my day job. He did not find that out until 2005, 15 years later, when he and I were both sports columnists. I was with the Rocky, he was with the Post. Those simple words, define the goal, decide what's important. I want to make sure I get that out to the younger people. Is if you want to do it, what's your goal? Okay, if you want to be a journalist, okay, decide what's important. Is it more important for you to be out with your friends or is it more important for you to hone some of your skills, think more and reach that goal? The show has more than just a comedic value, educational value to it. So, You wrote a book, If You Don't Believe Me, Lessons Learned from Listen to the Greats. And this is a book that you wrote, and John Elwell, he said this about your book. Through the ups and downs of an NFL career, I develop great trust, respect, and appreciation for Sam Adams, blending an uncanny ability to mix humor with keen insight and knowledge. That's precisely what you are just sharing with us right now. Sam is a one-of-a-kind storyteller. Thank you so much for everything that you have shared, and it's so amazing that you are really inspired to share with others and with the young people the coming together of journalism and comedy. It's incredible, and it is for me a pleasure and an honor to have this opportunity to interview you. Honor that I feel from you asking me, um, you know, giving me this time, and you know, sharing that quote from from John Elway um, uh, when 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 he did that. You know, that's not something he does for everybody, so it, it, it means a lot. But you know, my my story is so unusual, completely but at unusual. The same time, it rem- Anybody can do it. I always feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. So I want to see the younger generation be those anybody's that become somebody. Thank you so uh, much. And and they can. Thank you so much, Sam. Yes, they can. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Sam Adams, for joining us for our Storytellers of Color, a collaborative series inspired by Journals of Color and Latinx Voices Group with an open invitation to other storytellers of color to come into our airwaves, to tell their stories, and to occupy the safe space we provide every second Monday of the month as part of a public affair here on your KGNU community radio station. Thank you so much.